What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Everything Horror Podcast, and I am Paul Dolsky, and tonight, I must say, I have a very special guest tonight, because, um, well, uh, I don't really know if you guys may have heard of the pixelated game known as Home, where it's kind of like your choose-your-own-adventure, uh, multiple endings, and very creepy, atmospheric type of game anyway but and then he went on to do alone with you and then he's planning on coming back with another game called worse than death which sounds very interesting nonetheless but anyway let's get him on board benjamin rivers thank you benjamin for allowing me to talk with you hey thanks for having me always happy to talk to horror fans well i i definitely appreciate it and um for those that may not know, Benjamin here is um, Canadian, which is f- cool. I mean, I don't really, I don't think really get that many Canadians on here, but nonetheless, it's always nice to see that. But just put it this way: uh, Canadians seem to be doing something right in the horror genre that the U.S. is completely not doing right, which is actually making original content. But I think that's a whole new story in a different episode to begin with. But anyway, Benjamin. Uh, so, if you don't mind, could you ex- tell us a little bit about yourself and how you even got into the horror genre to begin with? Sure. It's funny. I'm sure a lot of people say this, but I, I don't feel like I got into horror. I feel like horror got into me because uh, I've loved horror stories, you know, movies, comics, books, whatever, from as long as I can remember. But, yeah, so I'm from, uh, I live in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and uh, I'm uh grew up in a series of sort of small towns, which are excellent places to sort of get creeped out. Um, and I used to watch horror movies with my older brother as early as, as early as I can remember. I remember him like locking me in a room and making me watch Hellraiser like in the eighties, just cause he was, a, he was a terrible older brother. Uh, and so we would just watch scary stuff all the time. I love comics and I would just sort of get like used copies of old EC horror comics, like, you know, Tales from the Crypt and Vault of Horror, stuff like that. And it was just always something I was into. And uh, I've said to my wife recently, like, happiness for me is knowing that I get to come home and play a horror game at some point. Like anything that's got <laughs> like a spooky house in it where you're, you're roaming around in the dark. I don't know what it is, but it's just always been part of who I am. So making horror games is is kind of an honor. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, I... I'm trying to remember, uh, Benjamin, how like how I even found you. I think it was just home. I know it was home, but like I just don't remember if it was just me randomly, just like you know, at the you know back to when I was a little bit younger. Um, because right now, when did uh, what was that? Two thousand eight when Home came out. Uh, the- me. The first version of Home was for uh, like PC and Mac on Steam, and that was actually uh, 2012, so seven years ago. Oh, my God. I know. Yeah, time flies. Tell All right. <laughs> well, jeez, uh, <laughs> um, God. I, I want to say Steam was definitely the first place, but I think I really got into Home more when it came to console because I'm more of a console guy, and plus at the time... Uh, I didn't really trust my laptop for games, even though I didn't really, uh, 
oh god, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I didn't really, like, think my laptop would be good enough for, be considered as, like, a gaming laptop, so I didn't really do much of a, uh, laptop game, or whatever you want to call it, but, um, but yeah, I first played home on PlayStation, mm -hmm. uh, whenever that was, uh, god, wow, um, I don't remember when I actually got it, but, Either way, like, I fell in love with it there. Like, I started to like the pixelated stuff just because, and I'm curious, is it just because you decided what a pixelated uh, atmosphere of the game? Is it because, like, like a throwback, a nostalgia type of game or, or what? But, like, just the idea of it, I guess, alone was just, like, really cool with the creep factor of, like, it's just you in a world where... Something's going on. You got your own choose your adventure, and it's really neat how you did that. So, how did home really just like get inspired by you? Yeah, so I'll answer. I can answer all that stuff. So, the regarding the art style. Um, so, in my previous life, before I was a game developer full time, I was a graphic designer, and I did that for about fifteen years or so. And one thing when you're a designer is you work on jobs like you know, like most or like a lot of other uh, kinds of work do, where you, you get briefs and you have a bunch of things you can and can't do, and you've got to figure out what you're going to do within the con constraints of, of that particular project. So when we worked on home, um, it was my wife and I, we decided to kind of create, well, we created a design document, but we created a bunch of artificial constraints. And we tried to think about what would make uh, something interesting. And, and it was like a little bet. So the idea was that I bet, you can make a horror game that is really, really low res, just 2D, and you could still make it really scary and people would engage with it. You know, they would, they would find it creepy, they'd creep themselves out, they'd be talking about it. Like, I bet, I bet that that could be done. And at the time when uh, Home came out, um, there were very few... Uh, very few independent horror games, uh, but also the horror genre in sort of the gaming space had, had been in a bit of a lull. Um, there had been some stuff, but there wasn't a lot. And in fact, the year that Home came out, there's a bunch of other like really cool indie horror games that came out as well and sort of kicked off a bit of a resurgence. So now there's like like lots of amazing uh, horror games from sort of real low-budget stuff to real high-budget stuff, which is obviously awesome. So that was kind of how we uh, decided to approach that. And then, you know, as the game sort of progressed... Um, uh, in development, we were like, "Hey, this actually is really creepy. Like, I think I think this is going to work." And we sort of just trusted our gut and and made it happen. Fair enough. And so, just to be clear, your wife is also into horror, just like you. Okay, that's an excellent question. Into horror would be stretching it. She's definitely into laughing at me because I'm screaming watching like a horror movie, and she thinks it's funny. Uh, but what, there are certain uh, certain things I'll try to watch, and she's like, you know, I think I'm just going to go to the office and go get some work done while you watch this movie. So I'm the horror fan, but she she, she likes making fun of me for watching horror stuff and consuming horror content. So I guess that's her sort of uh, her gateway into the horror world. Fair enough. Um, there is time where like my fiance and I are watching something or whatever, and she'll get spooked. And I'll just turn to her like, really? Like, that shit scared you? And she's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just like, ay, ay, ay. So, yeah. So everybody said that I'm very hard to scare. So I, so my, like I always say is I need a challenge, I guess, to scare me. So the challenge is scare me. And if you can scare me, 
then you'll be the first person to scare me in like years, sort of thing. Like, yeah. So, but good luck. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's it, you know, it's so funny. People approach horror very differently. Like, some people love jump scares. Some people love like psychological stuff. Some people love the tension and and whatnot. And yeah, especially with games, everything's a little bit different. Every game's a little bit different. The way you approach it um, has its uh, drawbacks and advantages. And it's I'm always nervous when I make horror content because. I know, like, if I go to a theater and watch a film and I'm just losing my mind because I'm so scared, uh, it's it's like eating really spicy chicken wings, you know? Like, there's a point where the spice becomes too much and you're not even enjoying yourself, you're just doing it for the challenge of it. And I think with some horror content, it's kind of like that, too. Now, there are days when I'm like, all I want to do is eat the world's spiciest chicken wings or go watch this movie that I'm terrified to see or play this game that is, you know, absolutely freaking me out. But there's definitely other times when I think... You know, like I want, I want like a simmering horror. I want to feel like creeped out, but I don't want to be like losing my mind, not being able to get out of bed because I'm too, you know, I'm too scared in the middle of the night kind of horror. Oh, geez. <laughs> well, I think Tessa was just about to say something, and then of course she just walked away. So I don't know what was going on. Tessa, <laughs> Tessa, what were you gonna say? <laughs> I was going to correct you. Oh, she. Oh, here. Uh-oh. So Uh-oh. here we go, folks. Here's the correction from Tessa Baker. Here we go. It, it doesn't scare me. Sometimes certain parts of movies startle me. Like, I'm so into the movie that when something, like, pops up in my face, it's like, whoa, okay. But it doesn't scare me. Don't listen to her! <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Um, oh, man. Uh, well, she, she, she played your game too, uh, Benjamin, and she, like, enjoyed it too, and now she's giving me the slap around the face thing, so if she has anything, she'll drop in when she can too, but unfortunately, like, sometimes me and her almost tend to, like, have the same wavelength, or mind wave, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we think on the same wavelength, so nine times out of ten, something I'm going to ask or talk about, he's already got it covered. That's great. That's that's good. That's where you want to be. Yes, and speaking of, um, you know, the lovely country of Canada, now, did you and your wife check out that one film that was actually filmed well, there's quite a few, but the one particular I'm thinking of is called The Void. No, no, not yet. I've heard of this, but I have not yet. There's actually a ton of horror stuff that's filmed here, and like yes. on all sort of uh, levels of things. Like uh, both It movies were filmed here in Toronto. Uh, the second Resident Evil movie was filmed here in Toronto. A bunch of George Romero movies are filmed here. Uh, there's tons of stuff that gets filmed around here, and there's lots of like ho- I think more horror television content that gets filmed. Uh, maybe more in Vancouver, um, but there's always yeah. I'm, we make we probably have really good recipes for blood and gore hidden in a production studio somewhere. Right, exactly. Yeah, another one that um, that I f- came across. Well, two that I that I came across too, which um, I'm curious to see if you heard of them. One is called Darken, uh, and another one is called the U. KM, which is the ultimate killing machine. No, I have not. I love that title. 
<clears throat> wow. Well, Darken is very cool. That's all practical effects based on like a uh, like a futuristic world, like in another realm per se in the modern world. So it's very cool. Um, and then there's this other one that's just like a super soldier movie, which is the UKM, the ultimate killing machine. It's very right. interesting. So, yeah. Um, so that's very interesting. Uh, those, I guess those, if you wanted to check out, is definitely, um, worth a shot. I mean, if you like practical effect, then I think you would love The Void. Oh, yeah, totally. That sounds, that sounds right up my alley. And... One cool thing that we found out, I forget the guy's name right now, but he played the, one of the monsters in the void. And what you see of him, though, is what he can actually do with his body. He can move his body in the most unhumanly way that it's just like, huh? So it's just like, if you can find his name or if I find his name, I'll try to contact you. And I'll, like, send you to the proof that this guy can, like, move his body in ways that a human should not be able to move his damn body. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that's cool. When, yeah. they, uh, when they filmed the, uh, the first Silent Hill movie, I, actually, that, was filmed, that wasn't filmed in Toronto. Was, well, some of it was filmed in Toronto. A bunch of it was filmed in a, in a town about an hour and a half uh, from here. Um, they had, what was it they had? They had dancers and a bunch of stage performers do a lot of the uh, monsters because they could do that. They could do sort of like double jointed movements and whatnot just to make things look very unsettling. Oh wow! I, did, I don't even think I even knew that. So that's interesting. Yeah, mm. uh, all all of the uh, town you know, segments in Silent Hill were filmed at a um, place called Brantford, Ontario. Hmm. And, and uh, you actually know that's actually. Yeah. Well, and like. You know... Sorry, sorry. I keep interrupting you. No, 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 it's fine. I, I'm trying not to interrupt you, but uh, you you know that Silent Hill was actually also based on um, the real place in Pennsylvania, right? Where they yeah. say, like, the uh, the underground is, like, still burning with fire or something after all those years. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Centralia is the title, of, is the name of the place, I believe. Yeah, that sounds correct. But, yeah, anyway, go on. Uh, I, I mean, like... I remember the first time I found that out that Silent Hill was filmed here. I was so excited. And the second movie, which is not great or not even really good, um, it it was moments. Yeah, it, it was also filmed here. And actually, my wife and I took a walk one summer. The summer they were filming it, and they had the there's the scene where they're in the uh, carnival, you know, with like the merry-go-round from the game, and uh, all the set stuff was still sort of laid out. There's like a beach, um, a beach area that where they'd filmed all that stuff, and we'd sort of wandered. And I'm like, wait a minute. Because I the, the signs that were on some of the some of the structures were from the game, and I'm like, holy crap! I think we just found the Silent Hill two set, uh, but they hadn't like packed everything up yet. They had just sort of shuttered it and, and left it there to take away later. Hmm. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. So if you watch Resident Evil two, um, and you see the part at the end, where, spoiler, where they blow up Umbrella Labs or, or Umbrella Headquarters, that's actually our city hall that they quote unquote exploded. Is that the, um, I think I might be getting my Red and Evil mixed up. Is that Nemesis? Was that number two? Did they call it Nemesis? Oh, boy. I think you might be right. It was the first time they had Jill Valentine in the in the movie. Oh, no, wait. Uh, I might be getting the name wrong. Hang on. It has Nemesis in it. Uh, crap. Apocalypse, I think. Red and Evil Apocalypse, maybe? Yeah. They all have, it's funny, they're like, they have such a like long-running franchise now. I can't remember what any of the subtitles are. I just know it's the second one 
because the first one was just Resident Evil. Yeah, it was like Regeneration or something like that. I can't remember, but oh no, Regeneration was the CGI film. Doesn't matter right. anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, uh, that's real cool though. Um, but yeah, you were staying with home, so like you were a graphic designer. You were doing some stuff, and then the picture way came from. Um, I think I remembered you saying, like, you and your wife uh, talking about, well, we could make it 2D, uh, and we can get away with making it creepy, yada, 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 and then I'm trying to remember what you just said, so... No, that, 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 was, that was basically it. I mean, the whole, the whole idea was that, um, you know, we had only sort of so many resources, and, and we wanted to make a game. Like, it was, it was, Home was originally meant to be a jam game. Like, I thought, oh, I could just bang this out in a weekend, which, of course, was not entirely true. Um, and I just sort of was working on it while doing other other things. And, but it only took about six months to do, actually. It was quite quick oh, wow. uh, when you add up all the time. It, uh, and then when we did it, we're like, that's cool. I think this is going to be good. And then we just sort of, like, lucked out. It blew up real big. And we, it was kind of, you know, right, being at the right place at the right time, uh, which is fantastic. And, um, and then we started noticing, holy crap, like, people are totally into, uh, like, indie horror games. And as someone, again, who loves horror movies and, and, you know, at that time in the city, there were still lots of um, uh, lots of uh, movie rental places, you know, the streaming hadn't hadn't happened yet. And you mostly got if you're watching stuff, you're mostly renting it from the store. So we had this amazing uh, we're very lucky in the city. We have amazing theaters, but we also have a had a amazing series of sort of independent rental places. And there was this one I used to go to all the time called Queen Video, and they had the essentially like bins bins with you know just like the flat folded dvd or vhs covers so you could flip through them like you're flipping through a box of vinyl records and then you could just they had so much content there that they could sort of store this way and display and i used to just go and like pick a genre so i like one summer it was like italian horrors i realized you know what i don't I don't know a damn thing about Italian horror movies. I'd never seen any. So I just started going through and, and, and watching a bunch of those and then finding some sort of obscure stuff or like like the creepy, you know, like dark underground films or like slasher movies and then um, really got an appreciation for just like really tight, quick uh, and and condensed storytelling where you're not telling this giant epic drama, but you're telling a movie in like, tight 90 minutes and you get these like amazingly memorable scenes that people carry with them for the rest of their lives so doing stuff like home was kind of like that too where we thought you know like we're not trying to make i'm trying to make the world's biggest horror experience we're just trying to make something something that people will play in one sitting if possible and will carry with them forever because they're traumatized by it or something like that well, I don't know if they could do it in one... Well, I, well, hang on. Let me rephrase this. They could probably do it in one sitting like I probably did. Maybe a couple uh, tries or something because maybe it got too late in, uh, at night or whatever when I was playing it. But uh, let's see. If, if memory served me right, there's like three endings to the game, which I won't say just in case for some weird reason somebody had not played home. Mm -hmm. But... Um, how did, if you can, without saying too much, is how did you figure out ways to end the game multiple ways, I guess? Yeah, no, that's a great question, because that was uh, the toughest part of the development process. So when we started, um, the game started because I'd written a short story, 
I'd written like part of a short story, like totally slacked off on it. And I looked at it one day when we were coming up, like coming up with an idea to make something scary. And I was like, oh, this is a pretty good setup. Like I could do something with this. It was almost like a, like a screenwriting class when you realize, oh, this is a cool first page for a story. I just don't know what the rest of the story is. So we started with that. And that was about the, the man waking up in the room um, in a sort of a house that's not his. And then uh, from there, I started to piece together, okay, so what, what is he trying to do? You know, what is he going to uncover? What's going to, what's going to happen as you sort of play through? And for people who haven't played home, the way it works is that uh, your choices matter not just like at the ending, but they matter throughout the story. So depending on things you essentially look at or don't look at, um, you will have access to other options. And it's meant to be very organic where we don't tell you what's going on. There's no, like, icon that comes in the screen that says, like, oh, you've made this choice and now you've filled, like, your your plot number two meter or anything like that. It's just something that uh, you're meant to sort of think about as you play. So the difficulty of that is that sometimes when you play a game like, a, uh, like with Telltale games, they tell you very specifically, you know, when you do something that impacts something later on. And they often tell you at the end of a chapter... Uh, what you did, what other people did, the kind of percentages, and you sort of get to, you kind of get a bit of a lay of the land of what your options are. But we wanted to, with Home, obfuscate everything so that you never knew what you were doing uh, and how that specifically affected the game. And because we wanted people to talk to each other to say, like, hey, I played, you know, I played Home. Wasn't it crazy when you do this in the end and then someone else would say, like, what? What are you talking about? That's not how the game ends at all. And then you realize there's a, there's a discussion to be had. So to answer your question about how we came up with the endings, a lot of it was um, uh, figuring out, following a path, like basically writing a path that made sense, and then realizing at certain moments, oh, yeah, but you know what? If you think about it, there's more than one answer to this particular node on this path. So let's just you know make a note and come back to that, and let's flesh this out a little bit later. So one question I get a lot is... People ask me if there's a canonical, like, official ending to Home. And some people get mad at me. Like, even seven years later, I get these angry emails. People are like, what the hell is the actual thing that happens in Home? Like, tell and, me. <laughs> and, I, and I bet I know the answer that you're Mike going to say. Is pretty much it's just like, well, tech, well, I don't know if it's the way you probably word it. But it could be any ending is really the real ending, I think. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And some people say, like, oh, you're just copying out. But that's, that's the literal answer. Like, the whole point is that none of the, none of the particular endings and none of the choices you make um, uh, are wrong. So in my mind, when I wrote it, uh, and since you played the game, you might, you might sort of um, remember some things. But in my mind, there are five very, very distinct ways to interpret the story. Uh, that that we wrote down very specifically. We kind of had kept like a running note to say like, okay, if you can interpret, you know, if there's a moment that we want you to be able to interpret, it has to work with any of these five branches. And they're pretty sort of uh, fairly wide-ranging. Um, so everything has to make sense from that particular branch so that you would, could never go back and say like, well, this is stupid. If the ending is X, then then clearly this is just like a crappy piece of writing, you know, this is never intended to be interpreted in any other way. Uh, so we had to make sure to do that. So when, when the game was coming out, like, I had all these charts and spreadsheets and stuff. Like, Office totally looked like it was a serial killer. Like, just all the stuff on the walls to be like, okay, so 
if you choose this, what does this mean about for this choice and this choice and, and, and all that kind of stuff? And I tried to make it very organized, you know, like a lot of games do, where there's like path A, B, C, D, and whatnot. And then I quickly realized, like, that's how this game works. It's not a linear... It's not like you're filling out one of five columns. It is meant to be uh, a bit more chaotic, and you're never supposed to be able to quite pin down exactly where you are in sort of the web of what's going on. So I have these notebooks, and I still have them, like, with the notes of uh, the different interpretations. And they're all written out on these, like double spread uh, pages and they just they just look like murder notebooks like they look crazy just sketches and scratches and all these notes about who's doing what and who's dead because of who and all that kind of stuff and hope like all these arrows pointing at each other and the whole point is like i had to be able to look at that like non-linear cloud of noise and say yeah okay well you know you can interpret this the right way you can interpret this the right way and if you think about it it still makes sense fair enough yeah yeah i mean uh, let's see here. I think I played played home, if not three times. I I know at least twice. If but more, of course, on like console. But um, but I remember playing it on PS4. I remember playing it on uh, let's see, Vita. Mm-hmm. And let's see. I'm trying to remember. Did Home come out on? No, I don't think it did. I don't think Home came out on PS3. I think it was no. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we were we we were on PS4 in 2014. So we wait, is that right? Yeah, 2014. So we had just sort of uh, PS4 and Xbox One had come out in 2013. So we were sort of there, like in the year after launch. Right. Oh, you know what probably confused me is when um, PS3 did the whole uh, cross buy thing. Yeah, that's right. Because we had yeah we had uh, done cross buy with PS4 and um, Vita. Yeah. Vita. But previous to that, it was mostly PS Vita and PS3. Right. Yep. Yeah, that's probably why I'm thinking PS3. So, yeah. Um, yeah, very, very interesting. I'm, ju- I'm trying to remember, like, like I remember going back because, um, without giving too much away, but I think it would be maybe fair to at least mention one interesting thing that you were talking about, too, about your choices, as you were saying, like with Telltale. And with this case, um, for those that may not know, this, is, this isn't really going to give too much away, but it's going to help elaborate more of what Benjamin has already said, which is this. There's one part in the game where your main protagonist uh, finds a hole in the floor. Now, you can either do two things here. You can jump down the hole and hurt yourself, where you're going to have a wimp. Um, Otherwise, you can find some rope and climb down, where you do not injure your leg. And from doing either of those, there's a potential spot, I'll say, where there's a, and I'm going to say is campsite, I believe, if memory serves me right right now, because I am kind of going off memory, but it's a campsite, I believe, or at least something important to a, uh, I'll say, side story. But if your leg is hurt, you cannot, um, and Benjamin can probably clarify this better than maybe I can, but you cannot cross the uh water with a hurt leg 
However, if your leg is not hurt, you can actually walk across just fine. But yeah, so Benjamin, can you explain about if you if you recall what I'm trying to say without saying too much is that water part where if you have a hurt leg, you cannot cross that over. Is that supposed to be like a like a lake, a stream, like? So what what about this water thing is making it so that your character could not go across with a hurt leg? Yeah, you you nailed it exactly. That's exactly uh, what happens. We we and there's like a the game actually tracks your steps when you're injured, um, so that you always limp for a certain amount of time, just so that you're always aware. And if you hurt your leg twice, it lasts longer, and you walk like a little bit slower. Uh, hopefully, not enough to make the game aggravating, but just enough so that you realize that you that you know it's a little bit different. Um, so the way I usually write, like when I do comics and stuff and write stories, uh, I don't start with like a beginning, middle, and end, and like plot out a master plan. Usually, what happens is there's a scene, like in the case of Home, the beginning, uh, a scene that comes to me or a scene that I've uh, found interesting, and then I go, okay, so what you know. How do we get to this moment? Where do we go from this moment? What are the reasons, the characters, why would they do what they do? And it's, it starts as like a bit of a web from a center, and then we kind of move outward. And then we start filling in the blanks and trying to make good choices about why a character would you know have certain motivations. And so that makes sense so that the, the uh, viewer, reader, or whatnot, or the player is, is kind of putting these pieces together. And with things like the water... Uh, the stream in the in the forest, uh, like by the campsite, exactly as you said. Uh, I think we I had just designed the area and said, you know, it feels like, or I just said, well, this is dumb because you shouldn't be able to cross this like slippery, dangerous stream on a broken leg. And I think a lot of that was thinking about older adventure games where you know, like in like an old Sierra game, you know, if you hadn't done something or you did do something. Uh, trying to enter a certain area would result in some kind of instant death. And we weren't trying to do anything like that, but uh, it, it just made sense. So I said, okay, well, let's, there you go. That's a, we're just going to put that in. That makes sense in terms of like a, a narrative callback. So if you don't injure your leg, you can cross and find what's on the other side without having to sort of take a side route. If you have injured your leg, then you definitely have to go find an item to use in order to cross the river. Um, and you can find that item anyway, but you don't have to. And a lot of that was to create that sense of of people playing it. Maybe they didn't injure their leg. And then getting to that point, uh, because it always hints that something could happen if you know if, if the situation was a little bit different, so that people would play and say, what, huh, I wonder what would happen if I jumped down. Because when I, in the early, like there's uh, streaming didn't exist when the game came out, but we would see uh, some people post on YouTube and we actually watched some videos like around the launch of people just pausing a lot and kind of seeming frustrated because they weren't sure what to do. And like they were mad at themselves because they were like, oh, crap. Uh, and they were very hesitant to do certain things because they thought like if I jump down this hole, you know, without finding a rope, am I basically just dead? Um and that was a lot of fun because what we realized was that we had achieved our goal. People were scaring themselves. Like we, all we said was, "Hey, something might happen if you if you do this," but then people would make themselves nervous and terrified without us having to do anything more. And that was kind of awesome to see. <laughs> well, um, in that case, I think the first time I played, I did hurt my leg because I was stupid and didn't look everywhere, but. Or if I did, I um, completely missed 
the rope the first time, but I, I definitely looked at that hole, and it was just like, oh, what could be down below, or whatever, and I'm like, ah, whatever, <laughs> jump down, not thinking of anything, and then, uh, you know, you get that message that's like, oh, you, you, uh, hurt your leg, now you got a wimp, and stuff like that, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, at least you can get down here, and then I'm like, beating it the first time, so then when I went back to play again, I was like, okay, how do we not hurt the leg? And then that's when I found the rope. And I'm like, oh, well, I kind of feel like stupid for either missing it or whatever happened the first time around anyway. So I do like that. And um, what was my favorite part? It was probably, ooh, I'm trying to remember the area now. It uh, the guy job, I believe, is what it was, where he was kind of talking about a coworker. If, if I'm mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, and um, I I don't remember why I liked that, but I think it was just because of the atmosphere, the way the sound was. It just it definitely did bring up the creep uh, factor, and it's just like hmm, like. Like, I'm waiting for, like, I don't know if anybody maybe had it on YouTube, but I was definitely waiting for something to, like, at least pop out and be like, ah, and stuff, and it's just like, nothing came, so it's just like, okay, so they're using the atmosphere to definitely creep you out, thinking that something could pop out any minute. Oh, yeah, and, and you know what, as a game designer, that is, quite honestly, the most fun, is, is, it's like you're designing a little theme park where you... Uh, are trying to control how people feel about certain things, you know, whether they get like feeling claustrophobic or scared or nervous, or like you say, apprehensive that something is going going to jump out. And it's super fun to watch people uh, play. And they're like, I've seen people like just tiptoe through home and they're just, they don't want to do anything because they're just waiting for something, even though it's like, it might be a completely safe area, but they've, we've put them in the mood where they're thinking about that all the time. And and as someone, again, who plays horror games, uh, I get, I get the exact same mode, and I'm just, like, cursing the designers for stressing me out so much. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Now, is there, um, let's see here. Home, let's see. What can I say? Is there anything else to this that I'm trying to think without giving too much away? I don't think so. However, though, um, let me see. I'm going to have to check real quick for my uh, notes real quick. Uh, where was it? There it is. Last year, actually, Ben, is Home actually got a physical release from Limited Run Games. Now, how how did that come to be? Did they? I'm just curious. Did they have to contact you to ask you, like, hey, um, you know, would you like to have your game uh, have a physical copy? And if so, like, what would you like to do with it? Um, so, yeah, how, how do you feel about Home having a Limited Run game? Well, that was uh, like a dream come true. It was so cool. Yeah, so the uh, um, Douglas and Josh were the heads of Limited Run Games, real real cool guys. And uh, they're, they're just like so rock and roll. They kind of just came up to me when I was demoing um, Alone With You at a, at a PlayStation Experience show. And they were like, hey, we're doing this thing. We're making games on physical discs. Would you be interested? And at the time, I was like, I don't know what this is about. And I'm kind of confused uh so i was like okay i don't know but maybe i'll I'll talk to you guys later and and then eventually i did and they're like oh finally came back huh and so i said like so it seems like you guys are making physical games and this is really awesome and they said like yeah we'd really love to have home on there for for both vita and ps4 so i said yep absolutely that sounds that sounds great 
And then they were just real nice to work with, and everything kind of just went smoothly from there. Yeah, and the fun thing was when Home first came out, so it came out in Steam in uh, it was August 1st, something like that, like August or July of 2012. But it actually had received uh, a very small release on kind of a personal website, like a, or like a company website, you know, prior to Steam, uh, just a few months before. And what had happened was we had released a trailer uh, the previous October as part of this competition and I got picked up by gaming websites. I think Joystick was the one that picked it up the most. Um, and I was just shocked to sort of uh, like check my newsfeed or whatever that one day and realize, holy crap, everyone's talking about this stupid game we're making. Uh, and then we, there was a lot of interest. We were getting emails and all that was really fun. And then we had kind of planned to do something fun uh, with a physical component, but we didn't quite know what that was. And as time went on, as development went on, I realized, like, oh, yeah, I definitely want to make something cool. So, I mean, one of the inspirations for making a physical version of the game was the, the old Infocom text adventure games from the, like, late 70s, early 80s, uh, which had these boxes full of cool stuff in them, like ID cards and physical objects and manuals and, and whatnot. And they nicknamed those feelies. And they were meant to, because the games are so primitive in terms of either having no graphics or very limited graphics and, and, and were very narrative-driven, they were meant to give you a window into that world by having these cool objects that you interacted with, sometimes within the game itself, uh, and sometimes just outside to, to sort of build more of the story. And I love that stuff. And again, as a graphic designer, any excuse to sort of make cool stuff was, uh, was totally up my alley. So we had pitched the pre-orders for the game on our website uh, as having a boxed edition. Uh, and then we sold out the pre-orders. We, we'd only, uh, we had said there was going to be like 200. You know, it was limited because how many could we actually make and how many were, was anyone going to buy? And we sold out of the pre-orders like very quickly. And we're like, oh, crap, well, we got to make these things happen. So we did it. Everything was like basically handmade, hand-stuffed. Um, and I'm not sure if you've seen these editions, but um, they had like floppy disks that came with them. They had secret messages on them. Uh, they had a letter that you that you uh, couldn't open until the game told you to. They had a bunch of other uh, things like that that were all meant to sort of enhance the experience, like a map that didn't quite make sense and, and fun stuff. So the game launched with a physical version, uh, of which, again, there were only 200. Um so when Limited Run reached out, the idea to actually bring like an, another physical version, but like to a whole bunch of people who are actually going to be interested, not just um, um, the people who had pre-ordered the the old version, was extremely exciting. So that was like a no-brainer, super easy, and so awesome to to get that done. Yeah, I unfortunately missed out on it, unfortunately, but that's what happened when builds come into play or rent or whatever happened at that time, and. Um, and what really sucks, too, is when you get paid bi-weekly, not even every week. So that even sucks, too. So you got to talk about tight budgeting, uh, your mm -hmm. your money, really. So I, I did see it. I unfortunately just couldn't do it. So I was like, God darn it. <laughs> maybe maybe, maybe if uh, people demand it, maybe we could see another uh, <clears throat> uh, limited run thing. But <laughs> who knows? But it would oh. be like a dream come true. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. There's so it's it's so cool to see that stuff. And it's anytime someone posts uh, like the the game for or our second game alone with you, the our limited run edition just came out, and just, I think people have been receiving them over the past few weeks. And so when people post on Twitter and Instagram like unboxing videos of them getting the stuff, it's it's amazing. Like whoever thought that would happen? 
Right? No, I hear you. Like, I was shocked when I saw Women's Run do a, um, do a, uh, a physical copy of, uh, one of my favorite horror games, too, called Layers of Fear. I oh, yeah. Have, I never would have thought that game would have gotten a physical, but I was so shocked when I saw Women's were doing it. I was like, oh, my God, yes. This game definitely deserves it, I think. So, and that's probably one of my favorites, too, for... Just for, like, just to throw out there, I guess. I mean, I definitely would recommend that game just like I would recommend your game too, Benjamin. So, uh, I unfortunately, though, have not had the chance to check out Alone With You. So, if you could, uh, tell tell us about it for people like me and my fiancé who have not played that one yet of what that is all about. I know it's like a sci-fi romance story. It's, yeah, I know, right? It's like a genre of one, I used to joke. It's a very, yeah, very weird game. The way I described it was like, it is like an episode of Star Trek meets uh, really awkward online dating. So the whole point is it's uh, it's an adventure game, and it's it's set in sci-fi. It's a lot longer than home. It's like, I don't know, like six hours long or something like that. Um, and you play the last surviving member of a terraforming colony off on this planet somewhere. And it's you and this AI. You're the only ones that left. All you know, there's this, like terrible tragedies that have happened. People have died, and you and the AI are basically trying to get all these parts and materials you need to repair your escape ship so you can get off um, off the planet and get back home to Earth. So in order to do that, uh, the AI is like, okay, well, I can help you do some stuff, but like, I don't know how to build this ship. However, we have these holograms that are essentially like captured versions. Of the uh, for the people who used to live here, uh, again, just like like characters in a holodeck, and you can talk to them, and they all have different expertises. They'll tell you how to fix the ship. So you go to these different areas, and it's kind of like a it uses like a persona style cycle, where in the morning you get a mission uh, from the AI, uh, and then you get to choose which of the areas you get to go to. You go do a mission. Um, or, where you're trying to find items, you're uncovering clues, you're solving little puzzles, things like that. You sort of come back to the colony at the end of the day, and then that night you get to go hang out with one of these four holograms um, and like spend time with them. So then it, you end up developing relationships with them, and the trophies and, and achievements and whatnot are sort of based on all the different choices you make. And it's like just this really really weird homage to like old sega cd adventure games where it has this like crazy color palette and it's very esoteric and has like lots of high like you know full screen pixel art animations and and things like that and it was i think after her home i was like i don't know if i really want to make this like dark depressing uh horror game just yet so let's make like a bright but equally depressing science fiction game and then after that let's go back and make like another really dark horror game <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. I mean, you uh, home definitely depending on the ending or endings. If like if you got all of them, so then you know pretty much the quote full story unquote of what could have happened or whatever. But I know with some people, sometimes they have that mindset where you know they'll beat the game once and that's the ending. And so that might be why, like as we were talking before, or as you were talking, I believe, where you were bringing up, like, one person would say, like, oh, well, this is the ending I got, and it's like, no, this is the ending, and it's just like, you know, once you know that it's multiple endings, 
and there's so much more possibility to a story anyway where um you know it's one of those things where it's like okay this is pretty dark <laughs> depending on the ending that you get and what you do for choices um and as with um along with you it already sounds interesting i've seen the trailer it looks bright pretty not as dark as home so it feels like you're more uh what's the word i'm looking for comfortable like you know you right. don't have to worry about uh turning off the lights and thinking like the boogeyman is outside staring in the window in this case you got a nice little story to help right just be like okay yeah home was nice but this is this is better because now my my nerves can settle down and stuff <laughs> like that so um and to answer your question too um benjamin is i see on the release date for home was june 1st of 2012 first oh yeah okay um oh, man it's nuts <laughs> yeah i i bet i bet i mean i can only imagine like some of the stuff that uh like uh, so Speaking of which, uh, of what I was almost just about to say is, so how long did, so you said Home took six months to make. Now, is that with writing everything with all the notes and then, you know, um, and it looks like you actually create the games yourself. So, like, I'm curious, like, when making the game, did you have to either take away anything? Did you have to add anything? Um, you know, walk it through the process like were there any type of way where if you had to talk to your wife even um where you guys were like well would this be able to work and if not how could we make it work yeah i mean all of those things happened for sure so the six months it took to make home were spread out over a slightly longer time because i was sort of working on client work at the time um so i was sort of fitting in home uh between other projects um and so a lot of it was a lot of it was, I was learning the tools I was using at the time as well, because uh, we make our games right now in Game Maker Studio 2. Uh, it wasn't Game Maker Studio 2 back then, it was an earlier version, which is a game making uh, software suite that caters specifically to 2D game design. Makes things super fast to implement and, and, and can be very powerful and lets you, you know, now port to like damn near everything um, very quickly. Uh, but at the time, there's a lot of things I was just learning to do as a programmer and figure out how to make. So there was things I thought, oh, I really like to have a, a uh, like a, a creature or a th or some kind of enemy or whatever. And at, at first, I was like, I don't even know how to do that. And then later, I was I realized that I don't even want that. That's not the right that's not the right approach for sort of this this design that we've laid out. Uh, in terms of things we added. What, what's really interesting is most people probably won't remember this, but when the game first came out on Steam, um, you couldn't save your game. Oh. It was, a it was a deliberate choice to say you played the game at one sitting or you didn't play it at all. Because the general playthrough would be about like an hour and a half if you were sort of... Uh, like like on on media, uh, sort of on average. Some you know you could speed run it way faster, but but that was right. kind of the idea. It was like it was like a movie. You got to sit through the whole movie, and we actually got like put at the magazines and stuff because people were like, oh, brave choice, you know, like you're making people play this whole game without without saving. Um, but we knew we wanted to uh, make uh, to release the game on iOS, which it came out uh, it came out on iOS in 2013 because it was actually designed as a mobile game, like to work as well on mobile as it did with keyboard and mouse or with a controller. 
Uh, but it just wasn't feasible at the time because of sort of the, the tools we had available to us. So when we went to do it, uh, to release it for iOS, we had to put in the save system because if you're playing your game on a phone and you get a phone call and you leave and then your phone decides to like deprioritize that app and free up memory for something else and you come back and the whole game is reset, you're angry. But, we, you know, we could reliably convince a whole bunch of people on Steam to say, you know, just just play the game an hour and a half. Don't worry about it. You'll you'll have a good time. But with a mobile device, that doesn't work as well. So for quite a long time, oh, God, several months, three to six months, I can't remember now, uh, you couldn't even save the game. But as well, we had some ideas where there were some areas that we kind of had, like I had in the back of my head, and some rooms, um, extra rooms that were not available at the beginning of the game. So oh. in... In home, there were doors, even in the very first area, that just didn't open. And it, throughout uh, other areas of the game, there were, there were parts that, uh, doors that were closed and sort of just rooms that weren't there. And so I kind of like, in an update, I sort of snuck in an entire new area. The train yard was not in the original release. It was sort of added about three or four months after launch. Uh, as well as some other rooms that were just sort of made open. So that if you're playing the game again, and especially if you knew it well or you liked it, you would play it and be and wonder, like, what the hell? Why is there a room here all of a sudden? Because we really want to freak people out. Like, almost like their game was messing with them. Like, like was this was the kitchen here the whole time? You know, I, I don't remember there being a kitchen on the last time I played this. So we kind of secretly added in stuff months after launch to just kind of mess with people and see if anybody noticed. Um, and which was actually a lot of, a lot of fun. Nice, nice. No, that's definitely interesting to know because that train part when you um, yeah, uh, gotta find a specific item. I'll just say uh, that was very interesting. I actually, I think I actually liked that part too, just because it was just more of the like, okay, what's going on here, sort of deal, and then that kind of makes sense to for another part too sort of that i'll keep hush hush so interesting now my my final question for home and i don't know if you ever get asked this question about it but i am curious is so how did the whole uh i'll call it scene come into play or um get brought up to either save the mouse or not save the mouse that is trapped oh that's a really good question so the that is the mouse is the first uh choice you can make in the game so that was a game design thing where we wanted you to be able to make a choice that seemed simple and maybe even uh almost pointless you know you see the mouse is trapped you're like oh because it's doing what a lot of the game does. It's, it's telling you something's happening. There's a mouse trapped. It's asking you, what do you want to do? Do you want to free it or not free it? But it doesn't tell you what's going to happen. Um, and then the whole point is that if you don't free the mouse, the next time you come into the room, it's dead. If you do free the mouse, you'll see it again later on. And we wanted to teach people right away that every time the game asks you something, you're not sure what's going to happen. It may not be what you expect, but something is going to happen. So... I wanted to teach that uh, with something that wasn't a major decision that you were going to be mad about because you're like, well, I didn't, you know, I didn't even know what the hell was going on. I didn't even know that that was a, that was how this game works. So we did it with the mouse first, and then once you saw that, oh, I get it, and it would also hopefully uh, cause you to think like, well, what if I'd chosen the other option? What would have happened? 
So it was like a it was a safe choice. Uh, and in the console versions, the uh, the mouse represents the first trophy you can get in the game, and that was also a decision to sort of clue people in that you know choices you make and, and whatnot are going to affect how how things play out. Yeah, and I do remember. I don't even remember how many times I had to play it, but that that train part you're talking about that that trophy that um uh whoever i I, i'm assuming you were talking with playstation about it because i don't know how that works either for the trophy but there was one i don't even know if it even got fixed to this day but uh the train trophy there oh god i I hope it did uh that that i mean you can still get it but it's more like a hit or miss. Like you're either gonna have to play it more than one time to hopefully unlock it, or you're gonna maybe get it the first try, which is gonna be like you know, like I said, the fifty-fifty chance. However, what I did find is the PS Vita version, everything unlocks perfectly. Oh, but boy. that, but that train uh, trophy for PS4 definitely took me probably five times i remember i would i was like oh my god oh i'm so sorry well that's well i'm gonna go speak to my programmer and fire him immediately oh gee for being being such a hack (laughs) well i don't even know if it even got fixed i mean it's it's hard to well actually no i don't even think it had gotten fixed because i forgot when tesla was playing it uh i think we did everything right and i don't even think it popped but anyway we don't we're not here to talk about firing benjamin's uh helper here we're talking about (laughs) uh the next game that is actually in the works by you which is worse than death now um how so how long has worse than death been in development now Right, so we just launched, uh, it just launched on iOS. The first version came out on iOS on July 1st. Uh, and that's the first release of the game. Um, and so from beginning to that release, it was, I guess, about 18 solid months. Just about almost two years. Wow. Uh, it's, been, it's been two years since I've been thinking about it constantly, but some of the time in the middle there was spent sort of dealing with other things as well. Um, yeah, along with you took us... Along with you took us like way too long. It took us like two and a half years, which is quite a long time to be on one project. Um, and obviously, home was a lot shorter, and we wanted to bring that time down with worse than death and get like a much sort of tighter development schedule. Hmm. Very cool. Uh, well, I don't really have an iOS because I don't believe in that stuff. But uh, anyway, uh, I'm an Android person. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, well, uh, so. So what is worse than death about and how were you really inspired to make this uh, once again dark game as we're calling it? Right. So worse than death is an action adventure horror game about a high school reunion that goes horribly wrong. And a lot of it was, like I mentioned before, just a desire to return to horror and make something scary again. Just really wanted to make I just like oh I had a, had another horror story in me and I thought yeah I kind of want to jump in and make something creepy again, um, and so we went through a lot of design uh, iteration to figure out what kind of game we wanted to make. Like I liked Home, but I didn't want to make Home Two like specifically. I didn't want to make a game that was using the exact same gameplay mechanics of sort of uncovering the story because I felt like once you know how Home works or once you've played it you know like as many times as you have to play Home Two like a direct Home Two would you would kind of know how it all works. It wouldn't have that same surprise. 
But again, as someone who loves horror and is, you know, was playing like a dozen horror games sort of between one game and the next, I kept thinking like, there's got to be something else I can do. And I do love 2D horror. So I want the one thing I noticed about a lot of other horror games is that they're often very, very slow, uh, especially indie ones, you know, like they're about moving, navigating, maybe hiding. Um, but they're usually about waiting a lot. And I really like the idea of doing a game that did have monsters, that did have uh, uh, like a, an enemy that you were avoiding or dealing with. But I didn't just want to copy like a bunch of other indie horror games that have come out where you're just sort of doing a lot of waiting, doing a lot of slow walking, um, and uh, progressing with like a very, very deliberate pace. I want to make a game that was like just totally rock and roll where you were always panicking. You were just like freaking yourself out, but not because of like the slow dread necessarily, but because you would know that there's something in the room and you screw up and you go, oh God, and you're running and you're kind of making a mess of it. And you're, you're probably doing way worse because you're, you're panicking instead of just like playing it cool. So we prototyped the game very quickly. It only took about, about two months, I guess, sort of. Uh, do a bit of a game jam and, and and figure out what we wanted to do. And the prototype was the main character, Holly, which I think was basically just the character from home at that point, just because I had the sprites, and making a kind of Metal Gear-style stealth system where you are hiding, you can sneak, the enemy can hear you, it can track you, it can go on patrol, it can sort of, you know, return from patrol and do a bunch of those sort of uh, stealth mechanic um, things. And I prototyped a basic version of that and said, like, this is actually really fun. Uh, and then we started digging into, like, the pile of stories that we had that we wanted to talk about. And my wife, Nancy, really took a, took the lead on this where she's like, okay, here's what we're going to do. Every time you talk about home, people ask you, so what really happened? So we're going to make a game where no one's going to question what really happened. But we're going to leave a bunch of other things for them to think about. Instead, what we want to do is just have them like freaking out all the time because it's like more in your face scary and more and more visceral. So Nancy would I would always say like, okay, well, like maybe I'm gonna have this scene with like a lot of like subtle, slow pans and this and that. And she's like, no, 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 like just buckets of blood. Just make it make it way more simple and visceral and, and exciting. So we used uh, the joke that we used was like um was like we looked at uh, TV shows like X-Files and we looked at uh, more modern shows like Riverdale because Riverdale is like all high melodrama. Like it's very silly because like no one's ever like a little bit upset. Someone's always like really upset or there's always like some major drama between characters. It's very goofy. But with X-Files, like, you know, like Mulder and Scully are always running from one scene to the next. Nothing ever happens without them running between scenes or without... Uh, giant like dun 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 moment and then they're like oh my god the person who's been in the factory this whole time was so and so and then they got to run to go catch him and so we kind of took those two elements and those are like the bullet points that we said everything in this game is that you're you're running there's a like a desperate uh, revelation there's some shocking thing that you uncover there's lots of blood and it should just be a constant fright fest from beginning to end well, I'm definitely looking forward to this because I remember when, um, I believe it was when you were first maybe announcing it or maybe it was like a little bit on. I don't remember when I first actually heard about Worked in Depth, but it was cool that I was like, oh, Benjamin is back making another game. I was wondering what was going on and, you know, like, I know you were indie, but I was just like, well, I think it's been a while anyway. And I was just like, huh, 
I, I wonder how long I think I would, I would more like, oh, I wonder how long uh, this has been talked about now or something. So I, I honestly don't remember how I found out that you were working on a new game or something. So, um, but kudos to you for that, for coming back, because uh, we definitely need more originality when it comes to really anything horror nowadays, um, I will say. And I think what you were trying to say earlier is, um, are you not really much of a fan of the slow burn buildup for the for the uh, most intense action? I guess is what I was trying to figure out is what you were saying. That's why you were kind of like saying um, this is more like in your face panic, not really. Well, not really in your face panic, and but it was it's more it's more like you know, up front for the action rather than, okay, well, this is the slow burn and you, and you got to build it up before it actually happened. So is, would that sort of the idea that I'm getting? Well, I would, I mean, that's, that's what we were going for, for the game, for sure. I definitely still love my slow burn horror games, but it was kind of like, uh, there were some games that I played over the past few years that I thought did, did them so well. That I realized, oh, I don't, I don't want to compete with that. Like this, oh, this yeah. like this game is so good. And I, and I'm, I was looked like uh, one of my favorite horror games is Detention. Uh, and I was looking at it, going like, oh my god, they really nailed this. Like they really got what so many other indie horror games try to do, but they just, they did an excellent job, and they sort of took it another step further and really understood. And it's excellent. And I thought, you know, like if I just tried to make a game that felt like this, I know I couldn't do. I couldn't do it justice the way they did because they had like a cool hook and, and a bunch of other really nice features. But then I was looking at a bunch of other games as, as kind of both as research, but just because I was just jumping back into play, uh, play a bunch of stuff that I'd missed over the years. And I realized that's when I realized like, oh man, a lot of this stuff is like very slow, and very deliberate. And when I would play, sometimes I would get frustrated because I would say like, oh, like this is fun in a way, but it, but it, it feels like a lot of work to get through for, you know, again, these certain games that I was playing. And I was like, you know, I really love games like Resident Evil that are like extremely balanced where you're both equally scared and tense and somehow on a bit of a roller coaster and whatnot. Um, and depending on the scene, you might be one of those things or, or all of them combined, but there's a real amazing uh, balance to that. And I thought that that's something I just want to try because there's a bit of a design challenge to say like, can we do that? Can I make a game that, uh, uh, that sort of like has all these flavors and still tastes great. <laughs> no, I, 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 I understand what you're trying to say. Yeah, when you when you meet, it's it's like film. You know, once you see that one particular film, it's just like, oh, well, if I make a film in that same exact universe, then I need to. Be careful because I definitely know my film is going to be compared to this film. And in this case, it's like vice versa with this where you're like, oh, well, uh, and if I make something like this, it's definitely going to be compared to this if I do justice or not. So, yeah, it's, it's always hard. And it's always cool, though, to get inspired by different techniques in a game too, like, you know, we see a lot of games now using the, you know, craft your own stuff, right. getting the material, 
where whereas uh, before you just got the whole item and that's it you didn't have to worry about crafting so the game gaming industry had changed so much just like with filming and you know you also got to look at what really can we really do that nobody had done before anyway which is probably the hardest thing anyway because almost i think almost anything really everything has almost been done and if not what hasn't been done that people need to um do more to help shine more light of a different technique i guess i want to say if that makes any sense yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of it is you find you find gaps in something, and like as a designer, that's usually just me playing things and saying like, "Oh, I like this. I like this." But man, I wish this had X, or I wish this didn't have X, um, and I wish there was more of this. And then sometimes you look around, it's like, "Well, maybe maybe there's an opportunity to make something that you know has the things that I like and doesn't have the things I don't like, and and f- attract the same people who who also sort of want that." Uh, and that was one of the reasons too why we didn't want to just make like a literal home too because mm-hmm. um part of it was like can i make a better version of home i mean i could definitely make a prettier version one that's higher res one that uses a bunch of cool animation techniques things like that but at the time the idea was no like home exists for a reason it does exactly what it's supposed to do and unless i really shake that up in a meaningful way it would just kind of feel like i'm i'm just doing you know making like a half-assed sequel <laughs> but was worse than death it was like you got this you know for me it was super exciting because i'm like now there's enemies now there's an entire stealth system now there's like a stamina bar and the panic thing and uh, uh uh like a heartbeat you have to worry about and there's like 3d positional audio and there's like this uh, uh high-res art that we throw in the mix and there's like full screen puzzles and all this kind of stuff that i just love doing and like love seeing in other games and that was super exciting and sometimes you know sometimes when you make games uh you can get carried away just making stuff that you want to play. Um, but then again, when you play games that are made like that, you can kind of feel kind of feel the heart behind them. And as a small studio, that's kind of kind of what we do. Hmm. Well, I don't want to keep you too much, Ben, but I am curious now since you just mentioned it. So you mentioned the heart, uh, the heartbeat thing, uh, Stanima, of course, we had. And then you mentioned, I believe, one more thing, right? The panic. Could, is there a way that you can tell us more about that? Or is that like, um, you know, like material where it's just like, well, uh, uh, maybe you should wait and see. <laughs> well, I mean, again, you know, if you're if, if you're playing it on iOS, you'll get to see all that stuff. If you uh, We have trailers on the website that show off a bunch of that stuff, too. Oh, but okay. the, main, the, the main hook is that we want to, re- just like with home, we really want to use sound in a cool way, like really freak you out with, with awesome sound. So the way the game works is as uh, you play as Holly, and as she's sort of going around her environments, um, uh, we freak you out with sound that happens all around you, and we sort of mess with your head a little bit. But when you come across these um, creatures that you can't see but you can hear, um, you have to use the environment around you to track them. So it's a bit like Stranger Things where all the lights in the environment react to a monster. So they're flickering as they get closer. You're hearing the sound sort of swell. You can hear their voices. They're muttering things and, and all these other sort of sound effects play. And you can track them in the space, whether they're you know to your left, to your right, close, far, all that kind of stuff. And then the lighting around you changes to reflect their position as well. 
But you have this thing that at the bottom of the screen that we call a panic bar, and it starts off white, and it fills, it shows how much stamina you have because you can run, and it depletes as you run, and if you deplete it completely, you get tired, and then you have to wait a bit, and it kind of slows you down. Um, but you can manage that to sort of like run and burst and, and not panic too much. But the bar also changes color, and it pulses along with Holly's heartbeat. So as a monster gets closer to you, your heart is just like hammering in your ears super loud. Uh, and it gets faster and faster, and then the panic bar at the bottom is pulsating at the same rate, so that hopefully, again, like what we always like to do, is you're basically just freaking yourself out, because the sound and the visuals, you're like, oh god, oh god, oh god, and like, oh please, and and uh, and we kind of make the we make the moment a whole lot more stressful for you because of all the feedback that you're getting, and it's a real simple way to add that element that gives you something to manage and track and, and pay attention to without adding like a ton of user interface stuff or like a bunch of meters or all this, all this sort of other stuff that clutters up the screen. It's just one little element. Very nice. And just to also clarify for the panic thing. Now, does it also work the same way where if you're trying to calm yourself down, like, is it, um, I know with most games, sometimes if you're panicking or whatever, depending on the situation, um, they always say like, well, if you always want to get less stressful, you want to go into a, a lit up room. Now, is that, oh. how, is that how you, uh, what's that word I'm looking for? Kind of like, like calm yourself down. Yeah. That's a really good question. We don't actually have that feature, but now that you mention it, now I want to add it in. Uh, maybe it's because like most of the rooms of the game are like super dark. We we focused on the running aspect that the game because I, again I wanted to make a game that that played quickly. So you obviously walk and you and when you see a monster or when sorry when you encounter like an enemy, uh, Holly uh, automatically starts sneaking. Like she walks kind of tiptoes and she has this cool little animation. But you can also run, but if you run within earshot, they'll hear you, which kind of just screws you over and you've got to try to get away. Um, so a lot of the panic is that uh, if you keep moving, your your, stam your panic bar always fills up more slowly. So if you, But if you stand still, it'll always fill up faster. So if you're trying to get away from an enemy, uh, like the more you push yourself, the harder it's going to be for you to sort of like regain that meter back and... and um, uh, be able to do what you need to do in terms of like jumping over things and running it and whatnot. So we we don't use the calm aspect that you mentioned, although that sounds absolutely awesome. Um, but we do sort of subliminally teach people to chill chill out if they want to survive, uh, because if they just start panic all the time, that that meter isn't going to last, and they're going to just get caught and, and die. Good awesome. question. Good question. That was a tough one. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was thinking of it because, you know, I know a lot of, well, I don't know a lot, but I have seen some where, like, white seemed to be, like, the, like Friday the 13th game used it. Right, right. Um, there's another horror game that is in early access right now that uses it called Vigage. Um, and then I think there might be one more. I don't know, but those are the two off the top of my head. But I kind of like that idea because, well, um, I haven't really seen it. Well, Vigil works in a way where if you are uh, in the dark for too long, you basically your mind starts playing tricks on you. And cool. 
stuff like that, which I would definitely recommend checking it out, Benjamin, by the way. Yeah, yeah. this sounds great. And um, Friday the 13th, I like that, how they uh, worked that in, uh, where if you were scared from running into Jason, same thing, if you didn't have your flashlight on and you were in um, like a dark area for too long, uh, your screen would actually become darker and like... You'd lose your map. You'd lose your map oh, over cool. time. And then the only way to get yourself to come back into the uh, quote light unquote is by you would have to be around other survivors. Uh, you would actually have to go inside of a uh, cabin or wherever, like a building with lights on just to have your stress level or your panic level to um, demolish or not demolish. Geez, I'm crying. Why am I having a brain fart on that word? Like the dem diminish. diminish. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so, and then after a little bit of time, you know, your screen would come back to normal. Your map would actually start showing up again. That's yeah. I love that stuff. I love when, when, especially for horror games, when you get to use systems like that to essentially further the story and get people like way more involved. Yeah, I, I always liked that idea. And then, like, just because, you know, it's just like, okay, well, I get it, character. You're scared. Come on, let's go. We're trying to save you here. Come on. <laughs> so, just, just like when you're watching a horror film and you're like, what are you doing? Don't go into that. Like, don't open that door, you idiots. Oh, God. Well, I guess you want to die, so go ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Benjamin, um, is there anything that I did not touch? touch um, <clears throat> All right, take two. All right, Benjamin, is there anything that I have not touched on for anything that we have talked about that you would like to mention, or did we kind of cover everything okay? The only thing I'm just wondering now is, um, since Worse Than Death is on iOS, you said, when can we expect it for Steam and consoles? So we are going to be talking about specific dates a little bit later. I have to take a bit of a rest because of a hand injury. Um, so That's the no but it, yeah, tell me about it. Uh, it is yeah, it's still coming out. It's coming a little bit later this year for the other systems, um, and we'll be announcing some more specific kind of over the summer and whatnot. Um, but it's not too far away. Uh, but yeah, it's I can't wait for everyone to get their hands on it, especially on like console. Everyone could freak themselves out. So yeah, it'll be coming out to Nintendo Switch, PS4, Steam, the Humble Store, and maybe a few surprises. Hmm. After that. Hmm. I'm assuming like Nintendo Switch or something. Hmm. That would be cool. It'll definitely be on Switch. Yep. Ooh. ooh. Is uh? Are you um? Yeah, yeah. That's the word I'm looking for. Importing. Are you importing home or alone with you to like Switch at as well? Oh, that is a good question. So we actually mentioned this on Twitter a little while ago. We we very much want to put those games out on Switch. Um, it's just right now an issue of time because we're so yeah. small, we can only do so much at once. So I definitely want to do it. We just got to make it happen when, when it's feasible to do so. Hmm. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. But yes, Benjamin, thank you so much for your time. Uh, it's been a pleasure to uh, talk with you. And uh, we'll definitely have to have you on again when Worst in Death comes out. Cause that way we can talk more about another scary horror game. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you both so much for having me on the show.
Well, you're very welcome. And for those listening to Benjamin, um, where can people keep up to date with everything? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Benjamin Rivers. I'm on Instagram at Benjamin Rivers Inc. You know, because we're a company, I guess. Uh, and you can check out Worse Than Death at WorseThanDeathGame.com. All right. Well, there you go, people. Check it out. If you're not familiar with Benjamin Rivers, um, what is wrong with you? Uh, just go check it out. Because right now, at the time of this recording, um, no, I don't even know how much longer this uh, sale even like goes on for. But uh, let's see. Hopefully, it'll be up in time. If not, uh, well, then um, if, I guess you'd miss out on getting home for like I think I saw it as sixty. Seven cents or something on Steam. Oh, oh probably it's probably some crazy. So price. yeah, it's not, it's it's cheap no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it is cheap, but it is on sale for the um, Steam Summer Sale or whatever they call it. So that's right. So hopefully it's still on sale. If not, you just still get it anyway. I think it's like three dollars for the original price anyway. But it's well worth it. It's got replayability just because of the multiple ending on top of the. Uh, I guess I would just say side story, Ben, right? Mm-hmm. What is a side story? Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of going on, a lot of stuff going on. And then once you're done with home, check out Alone With You, which I still need to do, which eventually I will get it on PS4. And then um, I'll be looking forward to Worst in Death, and then we'll definitely have to have you back on, Ben. So thank that, you again. Sounds great. Thanks so much. You're welcome. And for those listening, thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to lock your doors, um, lock your windows, cover up in a blanket with a flashlight, and make sure you have some type of weapon, because it's not, you just never know what is working outside. And until next time, stay scary, everyone.